Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is a company based in upstate New York and is committed to making the best artist materials for artists to make work with. You can get it in just about every art store and online at goldenpaints.com. If you would like to support this podcast, visit patreon.com slash soundandvisionpodcast. When you make a donation, you can have your name mentioned on a future podcast and even get a hand-drawn thank you, like our first Patreon patron, Samantha. Thank you so much. Sound and Vision is made possible by listeners like you. Taylor Anton White is an artist born in 1978. His work has been shown in Future Ruins, a group show at the California Institute of Arts in Valencia, California. He's shown at Delhi Gallery in Brooklyn and has some solo exhibitions with galleries including Gallery Kremens in Berlin, LC Gallery in Brussels, Marquee Projects in Belport, New York, TW Fine Art in Brisbane, Australia, and a solo show at Levy Volkes Art Center in Kansas City, Missouri. His current show just opened at Monica King Contemporary in Tribeca called Hot Dog PDF. His work has been covered in Daily Collector, Abstract Mag, New American Paintings, Art QA Magazine, and more. He received his BA in Studio Art from the University of Mary Washington in Fredericksburg, and he currently lives and works in Richmond, Virginia. Taylor stopped by while in town, opening up his show at Monica King. Here's our conversation. Yeah, yeah. Or talking to people at shows is difficult too, you know, because you've got yeah. you've got people you're friends with, and then you've got like the galleries like you need to talk to this person, yeah. you know. And so uh, you got to kind of balance that, and you feel like you never really have a good conversation with anybody at a you at an opening. No, yeah. it's like yeah. it it really feels like you're spinning in circles. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes, like if if it's well attended, you'll be talking to someone, and then you turn, and there's just you can see people waiting. Yeah. So you'll turn 45 degrees and then you have another conversation and you turn right. 45 the other way and it's another one, you know, and yeah, yeah. it's hard, it's hard to have an organic <laughs> conversation and it's hard to see the work. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I generally don't go to openings. Uh, I generally love to see, I mean, it's, that's cool to see like a big crowd at it or whatever, see artists, other artists that are at the opening that you're friends with yeah. and stuff. But the, uh, I prefer to go in there when there's nobody there. Totally. It's just totally empty. So yeah. I imagine if you pulled like artists. Probably they're all like that. Mo- yeah. I, like there's the maybe like the ten percent of the social butterflies who yeah. just love right. rubbing elbows or whatever, but everyone <laughs> else is like, Yeah, I could just go without doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Necessary evil. Yeah. But you're on the verge. Yeah. You've got an opening coming up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, momentarily. Tonight. Yeah, tonight. Yeah. So. <laughs> so by the time this airs, the show will be open. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, are you excited? I imagine since I mean you you know you're not based in New York, so no. it must be kind of cool to just hear from a lot of people that are outside the community. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm up here on a fairly regular basis. I did a um, a residency up here in twenty eight. Yes, twenty eighteen in Brooklyn. right? Yeah, in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. and um, that was really fun. And I I got to meet a lot of artists that I'd you know 
talk to on Instagram or whatever. Right. And, you know, we started visiting each other's studios and stuff. And, uh, it was a good, it was a good, um, way for me to also to see like, kind of if I wanted to, if I thought that working in New York would be right for me, if it was a good fit for me and my yeah. personality and whatnot. And, uh, I don't, I, I don't believe it is. I think I really like, um, kind of being an outsider and approaching the whole thing from yeah from like a oblique angle maybe or something yeah and um i don't know i like that well i mean it's if you think about it you you know like that quote-unquote outsider it's like your studio's just a little bit further you're still coming into town yeah yeah yeah, and the thing is is like when you're here all the time. I, I mean, I say this all the time about going to see shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. You, it's just always around. So you don't feel you need to constantly be doing studio visits or going to see yeah. stuff because it's there. Yeah. But if you're coming in from out, like I have a lot of people, a lot of friends who live upstate or in Pennsylvania who, when they come in, they see everything, they meet people and that they're, they're very sort of you know, yeah. organized about it. And it's almost more effective that way because they can be... Mm-hmm. efficient they, you know they come in they see everything talk to some people go back make the work it's not that different well totally yeah and and like living in richmond i have um you know it's so much cheaper so i can get you know a way more uh badass studio you know you can I'm get sure. like, this huge yeah. space and uh you're that kind of the financial pressure to sell your work and all that stuff isn't quite as high right. as as it is as it is here you know if you're only doing this you got to like okay, how am I going to make some money? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. So, um, Richmond is, is, uh, I don't know. It's the right speed for me. Yeah. So, well, you grew up near, is that, where did you grow up? No, no. I kind of grew up in, um, primarily I grew up in North Carolina, but, okay. uh, yeah, I was born in San Diego and then I lived in Colorado for a little bit when I was a kid. And then, um, uh, but primarily I grew up in North Carolina. Military parents? Uh, my dad, yeah. My dad was in the Navy in, um, in San Diego, and then when yeah. he got out of the Navy, then he went in to become a uh, a computer programmer. So, you know, we moved around to where his job took him. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then we was just, that a lot when you were like when you moved from San Diego? How old were you? Oh no, I was a baby when we left oh, there. Okay. So yeah, no, you didn't drop anchor. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> when you hear of someone who lived in San Diego and then moved, Navy comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah, because a lot of people. Yeah, you know. Or based there. I mean, San Diego's. I had a friend who was grew up there, and right. it's just three hundred and fifty sunny days a year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I didn't really experience experience. Did you ever go back and spend time there? Um, much later on uh, for for work stuff, but uh, yeah, my wife's always my wife's always like, quit telling people you're from San Diego. You were only there as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you're I'm like, am I supposed to lie about it? <laughs> She's like, you didn't really grow up there. So, yeah. So do you feel more <laughs> Coloradian or what? <laughs> no, really. I mean, uh, I guess North Carolina, really. I mean, yeah. I was there since I was in like third grade. So, okay. yeah, yeah. It's so all my childhood memories are of suburban North Carolina. Yeah. So you feel Southern at heart. Mm, I, I don't know. Yeah, Carolina, I guess. Is <laughs> yeah, a, I guess a, so. It can be. Yeah, it can be southern, but it can be you know, it can be the triangle. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of different uh, people from all over the place there, but yeah, it's not like uh, I don't know Alabama. <laughs> yeah, deep. <laughs> yeah, deep south. Super deep south. Yeah, there's great music in North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, historically music scene of people yeah. there. Were you into that growing up? 
Yeah, I played I, I played in uh, a band when I was a, a teenager, and you know, um, like it was like a knockoff, like kind of or not a knockoff, but like kind of cover band, or at least very derivative of of like uh, uh, like Minor Threat. Oh, nice. You know those like yeah, yeah. punk rock, straight edge, skateboard culture bands. Yeah, and uh, so Out of yeah. Step. I mean, I remember that album yeah. cover was huge. Remember when like CD covers were really important? Mm-hmm. Out of Step mm-hmm. felt really important. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, so I did that, and uh, a lot of, I mean, primarily, most of my time was spent skateboarding and uh, drawing when I was a teenager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think skateboarding for our generation was a huge... Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just like, I don't know, it makes me sound old, but that, you know, the Bones Brigade and stuff like that, uh-huh. that was like culture. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And the stickers and the boards, and like, it just felt yeah. fun. I tried to get back into it recently. Um, Careful. I know, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not... I did. Oh, dude. You gotta be careful. Yeah. We don't heal up like we used to. <laughs> That's, yeah, exactly. I fell a couple of times and I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> not yeah. for me, man. Not anymore. Because honestly, if I get like seriously injured doing that and I can't be in the studio, it's yeah. like the worst torture possible. Like, I hate it. Right. I, I have to. I have to be in my studio working. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and you can, I mean, that's a hand injury. Mm-hmm. I play soccer still to this day, but I feel like, well, if I get hurt, it's probably going to be in the lower quarters. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I can still hobble to the studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was skateboarding. My studio is only like five minutes away from where I live. Okay. And at some point I got a skateboard yeah. and I was like, oh, okay. I could just skate over. Cause I don't really bicycle mm-hmm. in the city. I don't know freaks me out but I, I was figuring okay i'll just skate over to the studio it'll cut that commute down by a few minutes and uh i was going one day backpack laptop in the back and you know when you hit one of those tiny little pebbles mm-hmm. and it makes that noise yeah. and i flipped over and the bag swung around laptop just took one in the corner my hands <laughs> were all dug up and then the the computer just wouldn't start <laughs> so I had to take it in. You know, it was just like, yeah. not only did I like scuff up my hands and like hit my knee, but the computer died. Yeah. So it was like, I was like, okay, maybe this is retirement number two. Yeah, for sure. Skateboarding. Yeah. But it's tempting. You know, well, my kids are into it. So, um, I skateboard with them in like our, the parking garage of our building. Yeah. But I don't need, I just like ride around. I don't try to like even Ollie or anything. <laughs> right, right. Just keep it safe. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, but it's like a tiny pebble can do you in. <laughs> yeah, no, I gotta be I gotta I gotta take care of myself now. So um, so you you don't have a backyard? <laughs> no, not anymore. No. We we lived in this town um uh, north of Richmond called uh, Stafford mm-hmm. um uh about a year ago and then we and we had a you know a backyard and all that stuff there, but it was just a pretty boring town and yeah. uh, we just got really just kind of uninterested in it there's no art there. there's no museums and i was just kind of this guy making these weirdo paintings in <laughs> in the laundry room in my basement and i was like we gotta get out of here yeah so we uh moved to richmond and got like a, a dedicated studio space there and uh so yeah i'm, I'm very happy there now that's cool so yeah. you work are you close to where you work yeah Your yeah space yeah my um I'm, I'm right now and i'm in a temporary studio while this um this brand new studio is um is being completed actually by the time this comes out yeah this interview comes out um i'll be i'll be moved in that's like next week we move but that that new studio is in um uh this old school building that was built in uh like 1908 nice and it's this um tall ceilings i imagine yeah it's huge yeah and there's this great studio space and then my um, apartment is just in a different part of the building 
Oh, perfect. So I can just, you know, hop up the stairs in my socks. You could do the late night thing. Yeah, yeah. Make some decisions kids, really quick. You yeah. know, it's tough because you don't want to be too far mm-hmm. in the night. I feel like at nighttime you want to be close. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you could do that little sneak out after they go to sleep and go do some more work. Right, right, yeah. I'm super impulsive with, with my work, too. Like, I, uh, I'll i have an idea that comes to me in the middle of the night or, or um, you know, while I'm eating something. And I I, you just I love it. to be able to put it down in, like, you know, in 45 seconds I'm there, like, yeah. beginning it. And uh, even sometimes just getting in my car to drive, like, a quarter of a mile or less than like a tenth of a mile to my studio is enough to like make you change your mind Yeah. or, you know, it's enough to like edit, edit your, uh, your thoughts. And, um, sometimes that's a good thing, but I think overall, I really like being kind of like on top of my work all the time. It feels like I'm, well, it looks like <clears throat> the intensity is part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I can imagine, you know, dulling that would feel right. Yeah, you know, anticlimactic to to doing what you do. What about like the stuff? Like moving a studio for me, mm-hmm. it's just. Well, I think for everyone, it's such a process. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's unsettling in a way. But do you? I mean, I'm guessing you have a lot of material stuff going on, just because the the work is so material based. Yeah, I've um I've been pretty good about um, keeping it organized, like. Uh, where it's not just like piles of things everywhere, yeah. You know, like I'll, um, you see that a lot in in artist studios. But like, you know, like I have a, a huge flat files, you know, and this one is like full of these components that are uh, made for this type of thing. And yeah. this this one over here is full of drawings and like pieces of paper I found and uh, half completed ideas and things like that. So, um, yeah. And I haven't been in that studio for very long, this temporary one. So it's right. kind of half. It's not. It's not like really fully all that set up anyway. So yeah. I can I can break it down and and, and move out yeah, really like, fast. Yeah, like living out of suitcases basically. Yeah, so it's like expeditionary studio space. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like what residencies are like too. Right? Yeah. You never want to like totally drop anchor and settle in. Right. Right. You're just gonna get up and move. There's something good about that too, though. I feel like it keeps you on your toes as mm-hmm. far as like. But I love that idea of like work that's chaotic or kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, seemingly disparate elements like thrown together or something. Mm -hmm. And then the studio being pretty organized. Yeah. So the chaos can happen like in in a spot. I I generally, um, I generally get to the studio each day and no matter like how, like wrecked it was like the night before when I left mm-hmm. like it'll be just I mean at the end of the day it'll be just like stuff everywhere yeah and uh I generally get to the studio and I like reorganize the whole thing yeah, <laughs> I yeah. clean everything up and then start to go over again even pulling the same things back out that I put away right. it's like this process that I that I've kind of go through every day start from scratch yeah it's really satisfying to me to what like about each that. piece does it start from scratch or does it start from ideas does it start from like mm. you know well, i've got a stretcher that's five foot by five foot there mm. let's go with that or you know it's, it's kind of all over the place for me like <clears throat> in 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 many cases i um i i challenge myself to not just go over to the giant you know 10 foot roll of canvas in the corner and you know cut off a piece of that and be like, I'm going to make a painting and put some paint on this or yeah. prime it, you know, or any of that stuff. I, um, I generally first look around the room and, and, you know, try to convince myself that there's a really, there's several really good paintings like 
in this room right now. Yeah. Just just f- find them, like find it, right. figure out how to how to how to assemble it. And like that's a really fun challenge to me. Um, and so I use this like you know industrial sewing machine, and I and I sew all these kind of disparate things together um, often. And then the next kind of challenge in that process is to uh, is to kind of convince myself that all of this information that could just be a painting like that um is to try to convince myself that that's blank yeah you know and um yeah and then make sorry then make these kind of decisions over the top of it or to subvert it or to um to kind of um, deface it or to treat it with uh, total like dismissiveness and a lot of that happens before a stretcher is even prepared for it right you know yeah and then where did the sewing thing come from? Like, when did you <clears throat> gain, start to gain experience doing that? Yeah. So when that started, I was, I was gluing paintings together. Like, uh, imagine two, two big modules of a painting, uh, placed like face down on the ground and like using another piece of canvas on the back right. with like really heavy duty adhesive at like, kind of like a giant band aid, mm-hmm. And that's crazy strong if you use the right adhesives. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I, I work really fast. I like, like kind of velocity and, and kind of like, like this feeling of almost like kind of panic. Yeah. Like this thing was kind of panicked together. Right. I like that feeling or it's a very satisfying kind of uh, experience to make a, a painting like that for me. And that um, I, uh, at, at the same time as I was doing that, my daughter at the time, she was like nine or 10. I think she was like 10. But anyway we got her a sewing machine because she wanted to like learn how to sew her own stuffed animals. Yeah. And there are a lot of their interests at that age are just like, you know, weeks long sometimes or a month long or, right. you know, they play with it for a little while and then yeah. they're like, oh, I'm done with this. And they pick it up a year later. But, um, so we had this, you know, like $75, like Walmart plastic sewing machine, uh, like a singer machine in our house. And I was looking at it and I just started testing things on it. Like mm-hmm. what, what will this thing like go through? And um, I didn't know how to use one at all. And so I, you know, kind of um, taught myself how to how to use it. Um, Did you start by using, like, scraps of canvas mm-hmm. and clothes? And yeah, stuff? just, like, throw away scraps of material. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay, well, will it go through gessoed canvas? Okay, now will it go through gessoed canvas and paper and cardboard and, like, all of that all together at the same time? Like, like what's the limit of the machine? Did you break a lot of needles? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then eventually the whole machine would just break. And I, and I did that to a few of them. Yeah. Like, it would just, they just disintegrate. <laughs> or they just don't. Like, something breaks inside, and it's just impossible to fix. So I eventually had to get, like, a, um, a really heavy-duty one that's made for, like, sail making. Yeah. And, uh, like, the sailing industry or leather work. And, um, and so then I got really into the the idea of like extreme like structural integrity Mm -hmm. and so i want the panning to be like needlessly like incredibly strong so like the type of thread you use how it's sewn together and then like uh i would i would want like the canvas itself to tear before like the seam that you made would tear just out of just out of pride you know like because i enjoyed that was it it wasn't like an archival thing at all thinking like if someone ever has this, I want it to not fall apart on them. Yeah, I think at first it started like that, and then as I got like uh, um, as I got into it, like just the process of using of using a machine like that, it was like, how strong could I make this? You yeah. know, and it's just a challenge, and and sometimes it's needless effort. Like there's not actually that much tension applied to that when something is stretched. Right. Yeah. And so, um, 
but yeah, it's just something I enjoy. Needless, kind of needless effort. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. that came pretty fairly recently, right? Yeah, last like the last three years. Yeah. So b- before that, you were still doing, you were bringing things together, but it was mm-hmm. more just like adhesive or something. Or it would like kind of like a straight up um, collage style painting where you would have a continuous, you know piece of primed canvas and you're gluing things to it and stuff like that and i still do that on occasion yeah um or they were paintings that were just you know paint on canvas and uh or charcoal drawings on canvas and things like that well, so, i feel like it's working back but when did abstraction sort of come out or i mean were you doing like abstract drawings as like a 10 year old or no i um did come through a process of school and stuff? yeah it came through school really uh i went into uh well when i was a kid i was i was drawing kind of represent representational things so yeah. i was you know drawing the things that kids draw i was really obsessed with trying to draw the porsche 911 oh yeah. <laughs> and then like um it was really hard because i couldn't draw the curves accurately yeah. of the car it's such a, such a curvy car and um so then i got into drawing the uh the lamborghini countach oh right is that how you pronounce more, that yeah a little more angular and it's so angular and i could draw it and uh and i thought it was really cool because i could draw that and then uh, uh i eventually got into at like like in middle school i got into drawing you know like those like perspective drawings that you learn how to do were like vanishing points right. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The highway yeah, yeah. into the, the horizon yep. line. And yeah. so I started drawing these like streetscape kind of things, buildings where, you know, and I was fascinated with like, you know, every single window opening has mm-hmm. to like correlate to these vanishing points. Right. And I was really obsessive about it. And, uh, um, yeah. And then eventually I, uh, uh, I found my way to, to college and, you know, uh, did you, I mean, when you went to college, did you think uh, art's something I want to study or did that kind of, did you fall into that by just, just taking an art class at some point? Yeah, that's how it happened. I, I went to school. Um, actually I signed up to take a, um, I thought I was going to go to school for like psychology mm-hmm. and, um, really just because I, <laughs> I didn't know what to go to college for. Well, how did that? How was that the subject? What made I you, thought it sounded responsible, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> and I was impressive. like, "Yeah, it was so smart." Yeah. And I was like, "Interested." <laughs> I was interested in the subject matter until I realized that it was like, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't just like you kind of sitting around thinking about like theoretical ideas. It was like making experiments and like you yeah. know, crunching data and stuff. And I was like, "This is boring." Right. And so. Um, no, I took this one, uh, you know, the intro, like, foundation kind of art class you have to take before you can take any of the other things or change to that to that major. Yeah. And um, and the school I went to isn't an art school. It's just like a, a university. Right. And um, so, yeah, I took that one, that one uh, foundation course. And when I, the day I walked in there and smelled it mm-hmm. and, like, you know, you hear, like, a miter saw running and it smells like chemicals and paint and all the kids are different than all the other kids at yeah, college yeah. there it's all the weirdos that are there you caught the i bug. was like oh my god this is heaven i'm, I'm like home. this is really this is college <laughs> there's always that and point so, to where you feel like you're getting away with something you're like oh you could do this yeah yeah this is something i'd actually enjoy doing yeah as if like you have to hate what you're studying right or it's got to be a slog you know right and so you're like oh wow this is great yeah that kind of so it, you know painting kind of started there and uh yeah i had a i had 
had a lot of fun there. Well, so. did you have like, you know, influential teachers or visiting? Or oh like, yeah. How did it, you know, transform from like these intro classes to like, oh, this is sure. You know, this is something I want to <clears throat> do all day. And did your program, cause you've got a BA, right? Mm-hmm. Was there like a fine arts program it was more like liberal arts? It's a, I, I guess it's a, it's a, B, it's a BA mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, but it's a, like a liberal arts degree, but, but right. the, the degree is, I think it's studio art. But you That's have what studio, it is. Yeah. yeah, it's studio so art. Were there studios, like individual studios for people in the program or did it, was it more general area? That you yeah, they're like group in? studios like yeah. that where, you know, like this is the painting studio and there's right. like, you know, 15 kids in their painting. Just work in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um. No, so that started, and I I didn't know like what kind of art I was into, and so in the in that school you have to take they they make you take like everything, yeah, you know, so you take like printmaking and photography and sculpture and sculpture and painting and all that stuff, and then a whole bunch of art history, and um, and I think that was the right angle for me instead of like you know that when you go to a school and they're like they like make they're going, we're gonna build a painter. Yeah. And, you know, and they only do painting stuff, right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I was kind of forced to do so many different types of things that I think it kind of, it, it led into me kind of wanting to, like, mash all these things together yeah. into, uh, into a painting. Did you, uh, did you ever get to do ceramic? Oh, yeah, I did that, too. I mean, that's yeah, always oh, fun. Yeah. Especially if you're breaking the rules. You're just like, you know, oh, if, I can paint in three-dimensional space, kind yeah. of. Yeah, th- ceramics was the. I thought I would really like ceramics, but cera- I liked all of the things at school. But ceramics is the is the thing that totally defeated me, and I was like, I won't even like make eye contact with it anymore. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. you should you should pull like, the skateboarding thing and try it again. Because <laughs> there's a free. I was I so think, I was so defeated by it. Was it the, yeah. were you guys doing the wheel or something? That's where it got me. Yeah, because I was like just hand building things, you know. Yeah, you know, before that, like coil building right, a pot, right. you know, and then I got. You know, we got into the wheel thing, and I was just so f- frustrated by the fact I couldn't yeah. do it. That's a whole other beast. Just like, nope, <laughs> not for me, man. Yeah. And um, there's this zen that, that that a lot of them have, you mm-hmm. know, like the people that are really good at it. They're just really, really relaxed and, like, like tuned into that thing. And yeah. I find a different, you know, I do that with, you know, making a painting now. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I just thought I could see <clears throat> some fun stuff you building in ceramics but it would definitely be like hand building yeah i, I think, don't imagine it being like you know a vessel like a fine vessel on yeah the wheel. It was right a little more collaged yeah in a way you know i think yeah maybe if i did that that would be cool like just this clump <laughs> clumps of stuff <laughs> like just this is terrible <laughs> i kind of like that though maybe i should well, you know, yeah. like Betty Woodman, when she does mm-hmm. those um, ceramics that are like more flat pieces that are kind of like merged together and they're painted on. And mm-hmm. They're pretty cool. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, a lot of painters or sculptors who use ceramics have feel a little freer to break the rules and just mm-hmm. use it for the, what they want, which I'm sure drives like hardcore ceramicists up the wall a little bit. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I love that freedom of the material. Sure, yeah. Unencumbered yeah. by the history weighing down on you. Right, right. You know? I feel like every area has that, you know. Yeah. In painting, it's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like that history just weighing down. Mm-hmm. So you had some fun. You did some, I mean, what was the work like, like, before you, right before you graduated? What were you doing? Uh, it was, I was just making straight paintings on, yeah. you know, canvas like that. And that's where I started really experimenting with um, um, doing things in kind of modules, but, like, more like, uh, 
like a triptych, mm-hmm. but like where the panels were different sizes, they were the same and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, uh, or just things that weren't stretched, like just raw material on the wall. Yeah. And, um, uh, with sculpture got me really into, um, performance art and performance art started kind of influencing painting mm-hmm. and, um, and my, I had this great, I had this great sculpture professor, um, named Carol Garman and she was, um, she was somebody that became a pretty good influence on my painting and uh and my had his painting teacher that was this amazing painting teacher named uh, joe debella mm-hmm. and um and the two of them had kind of conflicting opinions sometimes about like how, what's how best to like tell me to move forward right you know and um and i think that that was very important that i knew that they weren't in total agreement yeah and, um, There's some gray area there you can navigate. Yeah, and like let's try to do both of these at the same time. Yeah, and like you know <laughs> make it really bad. Get the devil on <laughs> or one whatever. shoulder, angel on the other. Yeah, yeah. And work with both of these. Yeah, and so yeah, they had this. They had this huge influence on me. The kind of the um, the uh, the wrestling match of me trying to like satisfy everybody and then be like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to please everybody? Like please yourself. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That's natural, right? I feel like in school, when I got out of school, there was such a weight lifted, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you, you'll you hear about it. It'd be like, well, it gets quiet when you get out of here. You yeah. Know, when you're bitching and moaning about critiques, and you're like, right. it's one out of this place, and you're like, it's going to get real quiet for a long time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, when you're in school, you just want to, you're, you're kind of, okay, I just need that time. And then you get out of school, and you're like, oh, my God, I, I can just do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. All That's, those voices yeah. aren't, I mean, they're in your head kind of, but you know, they're not there yelling at you in the studio. So yeah. you feel a little freedom. Yeah. So what was the plan once you got out of school? Just make work? Just to make work. Yeah. And I, uh, day job. No, no, I had, um, I had, uh, quit my day job while, like, while I was in school still. Yeah. And, uh, and started selling my paintings yeah. and, uh, and so it kind of just started working, you know, like, uh, really early on yeah and so uh i just kept going you know so like when how did you first start getting your showing opportunities um that first started with um a collect or a guy that started collecting my work that owns a gallery mm-hmm. and his name's uh, mark mark van wagner and he owns a gallery called uh, marquee projects in um, bellport long island mm-hmm. and uh he is a um, a collector of mine, and we became good friends. And then he um, he eventually opened a gallery, and uh, and started representing me. And uh, that was like my first, you know, solo show. Yeah. And um, you were able to just start making work full time and yeah, and doing it. Yeah. And um, he was really good, you know. He and he still. I just saw him last night. He's a good friend of mine, and um, he was really responsible about how like we handled all of the. The, you know like stop thinking about money and like don't don't um don't try to you know like accelerate this artist's pricing like rapid you know right. and any yeah. of that stuff like like he was really a really good kind of mentor about how like the business of art like is or whatever you know how to think about it fortunate to have yeah. someone like that yeah a lot of the people who step in at that moment are yeah. like yeah that's you know i mean they're they want you to do well, but they also want to just make money or, you know, like sure. just want to be, you know, Oh, yeah. you're next. I'll just sell a bunch of work and whatever, yep. you know, just, so that's, that's kind of nice to have that. But I mean, yeah. in your case, I mean, 
it, it's, you know, I have a lot, I teach, I have mm-hmm. a lot of students and they're always asking, people are always asking like, well, do I have to go to New York or LA to, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And I think it's, you know, important for people who don't, you know, live in two cities mm-hmm. who the, you know, the tons of people who are making work outside to sort of tell that story and for people to understand like, yeah, you don't have to be in one specific place to like get your work out there. Nope. And I don't believe it. You can have a big studio. <laughs> yeah, you can afford it. And like, I, I like that. I like the idea that, you know, when you get the cost of like your whole kind of operation yeah, really low, it, it changes how you behave and think Freedom, about your work. Right, yeah. 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 And, um, I think it's very important, especially if you're just trying to just trying to like get started, you know, and, and gain some momentum. Right. And I think historically that's to be totally honest, that's what it used to be like in mm-hmm. New York yeah. or LA. Like you could find spaces that are, Chicago that are, you know, cheaper, mm-hmm. not cheap, but I mean, now it's like impossible, right? Like no matter where I mean, you can, you know, I guess maybe, you know, Pittsburgh's a suburb of New York now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, you can, you can kind of afford to get your, your feet wet and not feel like, well, I got to do this. I got to do that right away. It's in order to just survive. Right. Which is the most important thing is just being able to stay in the studio and making work. Yeah. Do you crank up the music in the studio or are you a silent worker? Um, usually usually I'm wearing headphones mm-hmm. and, um, it's weird. Sometimes I'm, um, I'm listening to music in the studio. Sometimes I'm listening to podcasts or the news yeah. or whatever. And, um, Sometimes it's totally silent, and I can I can work for like huge amounts of time in total silence. Right, you know, but um, yeah, yeah. Lately, I've been listening to a bunch of music that I remember from like um, things you would hear at like a an eighth grade dance. You know, like when Boys when when we were in eighth grade, <laughs> or like like Aerosmith. Okay. You know, like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Aerosmith and like. Motley Crue sure, songs, poison, yeah, yeah, songs like that. <laughs> so more the rock end than the R and B end. Yeah, like this music, and I don't even like it, but I, I like it's like Bon Jovi. Yeah, stuff like that. It's not that I. It's so. Um, what do I? It's so kind of uh, exaggerated, like in its like uh, sincerity or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. That uh, yeah, it's it makes me laugh when I'm working, like, and then I think that kind of. Finds its way into the, you know your work. So you have some good titles. Does it ever find its way in the title? Sometimes, yeah, it can be something I overhear. The title thing started early on, like because I would hear my kids like through the floor in my house when my studio was in my basement, mm-hmm. and like you know, like my kids would be like arguing about something or whatever, and like a, uh, um, I would I would overhear it, and and it would like you know make its way into the title of a work or start influencing how something looked yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Something that's seemingly abstract and nonsensical, mm-hmm. but it's actually tied to personal experience. Right. Right. Yeah. It's funny that kind of like looking back at music, I've been doing that too. And I think maybe it comes with a certain age or something, but it's funny how specific the memories are tied to that kind of music. Right. Right. But then listening to it now, it's weird. Yeah. You know, like listening to Bon Jovi then, mm-hmm. It was Bon Jovi. I mean, it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. you know, or Boys to Men, for that matter. Like, that kind of stuff. But I've been doing... Uh, I used to go roller skating all the time. Yeah. And this place was like... I grew up in Pittsburgh, and it was like right 
um, in this not so great neighborhood, you know, it was a really seedy place, but I didn't know that then, you mm-hmm. know, but just roller skating and the music was so specific. It's like that kind of <laughs> funk, you okay. know, like that eighties R and B funk mm-hmm. stuff that was just so great to like roller skate to. And, uh, I listen to that now and I feel this weird connection, but it's like a totally different thing. Yeah. But it takes you to a place, you know? Yeah. Maybe that's probably the, even when I say, I brought up like an eighth grade dance. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's tied to yeah, memory. That's, that's a specific place. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the sock hops. Did you ever have those? No. We, we only had it when it rained out, but they would make everyone take their shoes off so it didn't get muddy in the gym and they uh. would call it a sock hop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I never did that. I thought that was like in the fifties or something. It it's was like an old school thing. That's when it? it originated. Yeah. I think that was just their excuse for keeping the, the gym clean. So they didn't oh. have to clean it up afterwards. Gotcha. When you were growing up, was there a lot of music in the house? Yeah, my dad my dad had this awesome um record collection in the house and nice. it was like, you know, don't jump by the record player, you know. So oh, that skip. was the sacred yeah. the sacred area. But uh you know, my dad had this great record collection and that's what got me into um playing music and playing guitar and all that stuff. So um my dad had this it kind of like all this great classic rock stuff, you know. And so yeah. he introduced me into, you know, like uh, Santana mm-hmm. and Janis Joplin and Jimi Hendrix and Bob Dylan and yeah. all that stuff. It was kind of always playing in our house. And the so, staples on vinyl. Yeah, Credence Nothing. and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I kind of grew up listening to that stuff and and uh, it's still some of my favorite music. Yeah. yeah, my dad, who was also in the military, I mean, he loved that stuff. Yeah. And old Motown from his experience, you know, mm-hmm. he loved Motown and then all that classic rock stuff. But I remember like when you said Credence, like, uh, what was the solo? Remember that song Centerfield by John Fogarty, I think it was called? No, I don't know that. It was one. about baseball or something. It was when he went solo, but my dad used to play that to me endlessly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I think that passion for music, seeing that when you're young, whether mm-hmm. it's whatever, whatever it is, something creative, yeah. is like important. You yeah. know, it's kind of, oh, yeah, I can be really into something. Right. Like I always feel bad for people who maybe grow up and there's no intensity like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a little crazy, but. It, it kind of is crazy to just spend your life just working in a box. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Making <Yeah>. pictures. <laughs> yeah, when I first started playing guitar, it was like I was uh, just, you know, learning how these Jimi Hendrix riffs and how to play um, Santana stuff. And Did you do it all by ear? Yeah. Uh, Did took, you take lessons? I took lessons for like a month. I think it was a month or two months. And it was like, uh, you know, I'd go every weekend and this guy would teach me stuff. And uh, just to <laughs> really pick the basics and uh chords and yeah. chord progressions and then like uh like the basic like you know like the pentatonic scale right. on a guitar and then uh two just, months did it though yeah i just got i know i'm an only child so i didn't have anything else to do yeah. so i was just constantly by myself in my room oh, you know, yeah. playing my guitar and so i eventually yeah i just started being able to replicate what i was hearing yeah you know, playing yeah. by ear yeah yeah well did your parents play music too my mom is um like a self-taught uh, piano player she nice. my mom she can play piano but she i don't believe she can read uh sheet music yeah so she can hear something and like Plays replicate it on the piano yeah she's really good well that's like yeah. true ear for music talent sort of thing right? yeah yeah you feel like people have an ear for it if they actually sat down and had yeah. the ability to study or the time or whatever they could probably do well did you have a piano growing up in the house yeah we did my, my i didn't know how to play it though i never i never like it's weird i never never really got into it or yeah whatever like maybe it wasn't cool to me or something like just that big thing over there yeah it's like taking up space right <laughs> or it didn't have like distortion right you know yeah. Like yeah, stuff like that super cool I yeah, guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Well, you could have ran the distortion pedal through it somehow <laughs> I, I bet you could yeah that'd be cool 
Yeah, because yeah. synthesizers back then were. Did you have any of those growing up? No. I had one of those no. Casio SK1s. Oh, yeah. The little white one where you could sample. You could oh, that's sample cool. like two seconds. But you could sample it and then play all this stuff. And I remember that thing being like. You mean where it would like loop that and repeat it? No, like if I just. We, uh, you know, we would record ourselves burping or farting or whatever. <laughs> of course it devolved. <laughs> That's you know? awesome. <laughs> right? What else were we going to oh, do? Oh, yeah. It's exactly so, what my kids would be doing if they had that. They'd be like, let's record ourselves farting. Yeah, you just like you know? burp into it, and then you could play like, you know, Axel F by burping. It would be boop, 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 boop. like you just uh, hit the notes, and it samples the notes. Okay. It plays that in uh, the key. I got you. But at that point, that was like amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now my son's got like, you know, music programs and like MIDI re- interfaces and stuff, and I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, if we had that. I remember, yeah. I was just thinking about this the other day, but the first band I was in in mm-hmm. high school, we had to go to a studio that I'm sure was pretty crappy. You know what I mean? And right. these guys didn't really know what they were doing. <laughs> but we drove like 45 minutes away to a yeah. studio to record like a demo, which was probably like four songs. Yeah. And it probably was a lot of money. Did you get that little like dat tape? Remember those things yeah, that would record I, on your, your stuff onto? I think someone did. I mean, yeah. I ended up getting like, you know, you wanted it right away. You were yeah. like, oh, that's our music, you know, and it would take like a couple of days to get the cassette tape. Ah. But I'm sure like one of the guys, the head guys in the band or something got that down. Yeah. But, you know, we would pay all that money and like back then. Now you can do you can, Yeah, you can do it in your closet now. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to buy any of that yeah. stuff. It's pretty amazing. Lots of people record things in closets. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Sometimes I do a podcast intro in the closet. Like us right now in the closet. <laughs> You're not supposed to. No, this is a huge recording studio. <laughs> be funny if we were actually in a... In this tiny closet. Two square yeah. foot closet. <laughs> it's just one mic hanging in between us. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, the, the other thing I was thinking about, too, in relation to the difference between sharing music is like sharing work Mm -hmm. and like do you think like obviously you're you're involved in like online like social media and stuff and getting the work out there Mm -hmm. through that platform right is that something that you found is like really great for you as far as building community or is it a pain or you know like oh yeah like instagram is 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 huge man i mean it's it's extremely effective um tool to use to you know help you communicate with other artists or right for for the art world to know you exist you know like the, yeah like uh but i do think it's it's a um it's kind of a double-edged sword and i think you um you need to be careful like trying to satisfy like satisfy it and oh and i'm, I'm gonna do i'm gonna make this decision and i'm painting or use this color or whatever because this is gonna get a bunch of likes oh really you know that's... yeah you gotta be really careful with that i mean that's a i mean that's kind of an obvious statement but like right. uh, i think i think um yeah it is something that i think about and i make sure that i'm not i'm not um kind of responding to that yeah 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 like the etiquette or strategy of of like how things look on a two inch by two inch screen Mm -hmm. that's tricky yeah i mean because i mean you know it's one thing if you're oh i'm gonna post this at this time as opposed to that time Mm -hmm. but then there's clearly there's some people who are just making work in general that's like for being reproduced yeah you know like if you go to an art fair and you're like Mm -hmm. yep that's the piece that people are really trying like that artist trying to make something that everyone will just photograph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that can be troubling if you're just reorganizing your whole art- artistic practice. Over, yeah. You know, how things look in reproduction. It actually, I think also in a, in an unexpected way for me, at least, and, and 
it was helpful for me like in my thinking about making art i um my paintings are really physical you know sewn together there's like um you kind of they appeal to like the sense of touch you know mm -hmm. like you, you want to touch it and uh and i like that and i don't you know i tell people in my shows like you can touch it i don't care you know but uh yeah. um i'm i'm generally uh working in that, in that manner a lot with very very physical objects but uh in a in a weird way i i realized that you see a lot of things on online now and everybody's phone is like you know this massive like high definition like oh the camera oled screen or whatever right <laughs> oh, so yeah, yeah. so you're looking at this great like backlit display and uh it makes everything look really great right and now artists are getting better and better and better like uh on, on kind of I guess on average at, at photographing their work really well and yeah. so you're kind of used to seeing really well photographed um, images yeah and then you, you you know you'll go to a show and sometimes uh, especially with paintings that are just like a straight up you know a formalist painting you know yeah. paint on canvas right and there's nothing wrong with that but like sometimes when you you go and see that at a show in person the only kind of difference between what you saw on your cell phone and what's in front of you is just scale. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And it's so accurately photographed and it really does look the way it looks. And now the only difference is just scale. Yeah. And so I, I think in a, in a roundabout way, it made me want to make my work more physical like that. So I gained an actual kind of benefit other than like popularity right. from like Instagram right. or from the internet. Like it made me want to make very tactile work. Yeah. That, like you see this in person you're going to feel it. Yeah. There's another layer to it. That's like you're rewarded for yeah. going and seeing it in person. Yeah. Which is so important. Yeah. yeah. You know, the moment it becomes like more important, not in reality is kind of like troubling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I kind of feel that. Well, I don't know. I kind of feel that way about live music. You know, it's sure. always a bummer if you go see a show and it's like a dude on a laptop and there's just nothing really, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or if you go see, Sometimes you even get bands that it, like they're doing a lot of electronic stuff, but then when they play, they do a live band, but it just doesn't feel like the energy is not there. You know? Yeah. And you really want the live experience to be yeah. something like that's the core of it. And sometimes really. the recording or the device you're listening to a recording on or whatever, if you're watch, listening to some guy play guitar or whatever, right, you might not hear that that, that, that like finger squeak yeah. on, on, the, on the strings. That's, right. that's really cool and physical. And uh, when you go see it live, you know, you get the full experience. Definitely. You know? Yeah, it's yeah. like what you gain in the other, mm -hmm. you know. It's like going to see a Minor Threat show. Yeah. Although I never saw Minor Threat, but Fugazi. No, I never did. You know, yeah. it was... Yeah. There's nothing like seeing the show. Yeah. I mean, just the banter in between songs, but then, like, you know, just when the picks dropped or, like, when yeah, the, yeah. the amp cuts out for a second and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, that's the real stuff or know? when somebody like stomps like in the band like on yeah. the floor and you feel it in, in the room yeah. and there's like a little small bar you're right, like right. listening to them and you're like wow yeah it's visceral you know? yeah it's very visceral yeah yeah i think that's really important yeah and i guess it, it at this point too because people experience so much of things mm -hmm. in the simulacra that that becomes even more fetishized or important right or, or i don't know maybe it's not more important but it's just different you know mm -hmm. to see that stuff so but, you know, 
and people are going to go see your work and it's going to be a totally different experience which is really great and yeah the cool thing yeah. is is there's going to you know ideally through you know communication you get more people to see the work which is kind of what we all want to do sure yeah we just want the more people to see it the better <laughs> that's that's the idea that's, yeah it's kind of the idea yeah but, so uh, um what are you going to do after this show this shows up how long do you want to just tell people yeah yeah this shows up uh from today uh january 31st uh to march 14th at uh, monica king contemporary that's a good run yeah yeah some good amount of time for yeah. people to check it out yeah that's over in uh, tribeca right yeah and that's on what's do you know what street it's on? Yeah, it's on Lisbonard's, uh, right. Lisbonard's uh, 39 Lisbonard Street. It's just down the street from um, Canada, where, yeah. they, where they moved, yeah. Right. Yeah. Not too far from the old knitting factory. Yeah. <laughs> and all those old places to see mm-hmm. a lot of music. Yeah. That's cool. So, and do you have anything else going on, or are you just, you're going to take a little time? Are you taking a time after a show, Guy? Uh, no, I, I kind of... Back at it? Yeah, like, I'm a... Uh, I work a lot, so like uh, I'm gonna get back to my studio, and I gotta I gotta pack it up and move to the new, to, to the new place, which is just literally at the top of the hill. My yeah. studio is at the bottom of the hill now, <clears throat> so I gotta do that when I get back. But um, you know, I've got several things that are in the works that are kind of in, in the process of being completed that I'm that I'm excited about uh, for the future. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. And do you? As someone, as a young person, did some traveling. Are you really into travel? Yeah, you like going all over. I yeah. imagine you've had you've had opportunities to travel. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I was. Ber- you, you went to Berlin, right? Did you go to that for that? Didn't you have a show in Berlin? Yeah, yeah. So I did a I did a residency in um, in Madrid, mm-hmm. Spain, and then um, you know I did a residency in Berlin as well, and then I uh, had a, uh, a show in. Uh, in Seoul, South Korea, nice. and then in um, Brussels. So yeah, I've been the last few years. I've been uh, traveling a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's great, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I would imagine too. It's just so much. I, we just went to Barcelona mm-hmm. over Thanksgiving, and like the the texture, everything's so different, you know. And it's just it's so fun to see all that stuff. Yeah, I just love traveling. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 really important for you, I think too. Um, I uh, yeah, I, I found when I was in um, Madrid. I, it was the first time I realized this, but like I, uh, when I was like, if I'm in New York or something and I look at like, uh, graffiti tags mm-hmm. and stuff like that on, on, on the wall, I, uh, I'm generally not that interested in it because I, um, I, m- most, most graffiti that I see or street art or murals and th- that kind of stuff, I'm, I'm just never interested in it. And, uh, but a lot of times it's because I'm, I'm reading like the text that's in it and right. it's like this this narrative or some guy's name that he signed or whatever yeah and um i mean some of it's genuinely funny right but um uh there was this there was this guy a few years ago that i used to see when i would drive into the city um i think his work was his name was rambo and it would just say rambo like over the highway and <laughs> oh, it was so cool yeah, yeah, man yeah. yeah i loved that but in most all triangles large straight lines right? yeah. yeah yeah but in most cases when i would um see graffiti in the united states i i was just kind of not interested in it but i think it's because i was reading it and um when i would look at it in a foreign country and it's written in their language i would kind of just see it for like how it's composed and and organized and it gave me ideas for paintings you know from looking at how they would organize space rather than trying to like 
you, by default you can't not read something if you you know yeah it turns you into to. a formalist yeah <laughs> in a way yeah i love that with music because if i if i'm listening to music mm-hmm. in another language i can just kind of hear it you know mm-hmm. in yeah. a way and then you pick up or when you're traveling and you just listen to people talk yeah and you can't understand language but you get the energy like you could pick up on the the feel of the conversation more which right. is kind of cool yeah yeah sometimes you gotta get out of your out of your routine to see things differently yeah for sure cool well thanks a lot for coming over yeah man good luck with the show thanks for having me excited to see it cool and uh yeah thanks a lot all right Many thanks to Taylor Anton White. Go check out his show at Monica King Contemporary in Tribeca called Free Hot Dog PDF. It's up through March 14th. And many thanks to Evan Marion for the intro outro music, Michael Lovett for the introduction, Lullatone, Jacob 2-2, and the others who have supplied music to the podcast. You can check out more images at Sound and Vision Podcast on Instagram, at Alfred Studio on Instagram for my work, brianalfred.net, soundandvisionpodcast.com on the internet. Many thanks to our first Patreon patron, Samantha. And if you would like to join her in supporting the podcast, go to patreon.com slash soundandvisionpodcast. Many thanks to Golden Artist Colors for their long-standing support of our podcast. Check out future podcasts coming up in a week. So we got some really great guests coming up. Thanks a lot for your support. Go over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to the podcast if you can. Head over to Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, all the other platforms where it is offered. There's also now a YouTube channel for the podcast which for now is just posting podcasts and sometimes those will hit a little bit sooner than the podcast hit on the other services and also in the future i'm going to add some additional content video content on the youtube channel so make sure you go over to youtube and subscribe it is easiest to get there through the link in the bio in instagram thanks so much for your support stay tuned